views, thoughts, and opinions expressed during this or any broadcast belong solely to our guests or our hosts. These broadcasts do not represent or reflect the views of their employers, sponsors, or affiliated organizations. Welcome to the Flipboard EDU podcast with your host, William Jeffrey, where we collaborate, communicate, and educate with the greatest educators in the world on Flipboard. Let's start the show. Welcome back, Flipboard fam. This is your favorite coach, Coach Jeffrey, and I have another amazing guest tonight. I have Dr. Dan Price. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm glad we were able to finally connect like this. Yeah, sure. I, I probably said your name wrong. Can you pronounce your name for me, please? Yeah, you got it mostly correct. It's Dr. Dan Krinus. It throws a lot of people off because the E comes before the I, but it's no problem. Yes, that would throw that definitely throw somebody like me off. Hey, man, tell our listening audience a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I'd love to. My, my day job is that I'm an instructional coach for digital learning or a digital learning coach, or a tech coach. It's called a lot of different things, but you're the real coach. I'm just trying to do my part. So I work in Norwalk, Connecticut, and that's what I do, like I said, during the day. On the side, I am a content creator. I host the Leader of Learning podcast, and I'm slowly but surely launching an online business where I've branched out into some coaching services and some online courses as well. And I'm having a lot of fun doing that, and I'm really just trying to inspire teachers. And my tagline is helping educators grow their impact as instructional leaders, because that's what my passion is. That's what my doctorate degree is in. And that's what I love helping other educators to do. So I need to give a little plug. You, I met you HD and I said this on your show that I met you at HD in real life. And I was very impressed with or technology stabbing. You guys were, I think, Ryan Romero Smith was in that group. Valerie Rose, just some good educators. Sierra Thomas, like Sierra Thomas, some good people were there. And you were in the mix and you had some podcasts and stuff. So when did you begin podcasting? Yeah, first of all, shout out to those amazing educators. Those were some of the people who I really got connected with first as a connected educator back in I think it was like 2016, Sarah, Dr. Sarah Thomas runs the EduMatch organization. And that was by far and away, the best thing that I ever did was get myself connected to that group. And then basically a spinoff of EduMatch came in the form of a group known as what was at the time past the scope EDU, which I don't know if your listeners might remember this, but Periscope was a streaming platform that ultimately got purchased by Twitter and then it turned into like Twitter Live or something. But that, there was another one before that too, like Meerkat, I think it was called. But anyway, yeah, a bunch of educators like Brian and Valerie said, we want to do more. We want to broaden our scope, so to speak, and our impact. And so we would have these monthly live streams around certain educational topics. And basically anybody who had the time and had the desire to would go live and live stream and just talk about that topic. And that sort of morphed into us tackling some conferences like ISTE and covering it like media members. And we had a lot of fun doing it. We covered some sessions. We did some interviews. We had one educator, Stacy, who loved and Tatul Natoya, Dr. Tatul Natoya, who they, the two of them would love 
interview and basically getting to everything that students were presenting. Yeah, it was great. Unfortunately, that group doesn't do too much anymore. But some of us have kept that going and kept that alive at ISTE. Like you and I saw each other even last year at the ISTE conference in New Orleans. And I was still doing a lot of the same and you were doing it too. Now you're picking up the slack. So yeah, it's fun. Yeah, I'm like coming in on the backs of you guys' hard work. Like I was very impressed with you all. And as a plus, I don't know if HD was letting the quote unquote unverified journalists in, but I think it's because of the work of Pastor Scope E that you guys set the ground for that. I think so too. And I wasn't sure, specific to ISTE, I wasn't sure that would continue after, unfortunately, the con- the whole conference had to go virtual for, I think it was two years in 2020 and 21 before it became an in-person conference event again. But sure enough, there we were last year again, and you and I were hitting the expo floor to do interviews. And I loved the equipment that you had there last year too. It's fun. And I'm realizing more and more all the time how important it is for us, meaning you and me, but just educators in general to have a voice and share their voice and become content creators and really take advantage of a more global audience to share your message and just to participate and engage in other people's messages as well. It's, I don't know, it's fun for me. Some people may not like it, but to think it's been great. I think that Twitter and Twitter chats and edu Twitter, if you will, is not quite what it was a handful of years ago. But I still think that educate, there are plenty of connected educators out there, plenty of people who are still looking to not just connect, but to really be that lifelong learner and continue to learn and grow with other educators who are maybe not in their school or in their district or even in their state or perhaps in their country. Yes, Doc, you do a really good service by putting on your podcast. But I also want to state that if I had not ran into you and Ryan and the fact that you are very open on how you and what you do, and I appreciate that as somebody who's a podcaster as well. Going into becoming a connected educator and then just also having that collaborative spirit, you, your podcast is called the Leader of Learning Podcast. Why did you name it? If I had to do it all over again, I might name it a little differently. And I'll tell you why. Leader of learning is like passive voice. If you're talking about grammar, if you're like a real stickler for grammar, and I don't, we're not. Lo- yeah, I don't love that. But so actually, I'm really glad you asked that. Not a lot of people have asked that. It started again, like around the same time I was becoming a connected educator. I was also becoming really a school leader, a full time school leader for the first time as an instructional coach. And I got to be honest, there was actually some imposter syndrome creeping in on me where I was like, am I really the right guy for the job, the best person to try and inspire other educators? But what really helped was understanding that I may not only have the ability to inspire the educators that were in my school. And then I was in a really small district, even outside of my small district. And that's when I had this desire and ambition to to broaden my reach and my audience. And so I became connected and I was like, I want to do more. And for me, even before the podcast, I was like, I think I want to start a blog. I'll give you a quick story too. When my wife became pregnant with my first child, my son, 12, over 12 years ago, almost 13 years ago now, started blogging for the first time. 
And what I did was I wrote this series of letters to my son who wasn't even born yet. And that was my first experience blogging. And I'm a pretty good writer. So I was like, I want to share some content. And I thought pretty hard about what I wanted to call it. And I landed on leader of learning because I really tout myself as a lifelong learner. And I love to learn about leading. And that's what I do with my content and my podcast. So leader of learning, it was and it started as a blog. And then once I really got into the thick of my doctoral studies and I was doing a lot of writing anyway, I said, I don't know if, I don't know if the blogging is going to quite keep up with what I want to do as far as the writing goes. So that's when I really shifted to the podcasting and it was technically launched in, I think it was May of 2017. So almost about six years ago now, but my first real episode didn't come out until the following school year in September. And Sarah Thomas actually was the very first guest. And now as we're recording this, I'm 156 episodes in and over 100,000 downloads, man, it's wild. It really is. But yeah, just having this different avenue to share my voice and share the voices of others because I do an interview podcast and 98% of the episodes I've done basically are with other guests who are amazing like yourself and sharing some really awesome things that they're doing in education. I know I say this all the time and it always, I think, sounds weird coming off, coming out of my mouth, but I mean it and I mean it in a certain way. I'm my biggest fan. I'm my podcast's biggest fan. And the reason I say that is because like, I want to bring on guests and cover topics that anyone in education could probably resonate with, but I want to keep it really aligned to that idea of inspiring educators to grow their impact as instructional leaders. But I'm looking to do that too. And so I love learning from the people that I bring on. I'm the leader of learning, right? And so is my audience. And I feel like if I keep in mind the fact that I really want to learn and grow from my own podcast, then it's just a bonus really that other people want to do that as well and want to listen to it. Yes. I recently heard a podcast that you do. First of all, I follow your podcast from time to time. When I'm not listening to my own, there's a couple of people who I do listen to. I listen to Afonso. I listen to Elena Leone. So there are a couple of people who I listen to as far as podcasting go, as far as education. I listen to educational podcasters as well. And so you guys inspire me. And as I'm thinking about the last show that I listened to of yours, you had a gentleman on was talking about journaling. And episode resonated with me a lot. When I even went to go purchase your book after I found out that you had it about journaling. So let's talk about journaling and how did you get involved and what makes you write the book for Reflection? Yeah. So thank you for allowing me to plug my latest creation a little bit. And thank you for purchasing it. I recently published the Transformational Leaders Reflection Journal. And I thoughtfully put 180 pages in it because that's about how many school days there are in a school year, figuring that much of my audience are, are educators. But I wanted to create something for leaders to be able to reflect. And I know you, you mentioned, you shouted out one of the podcast interviews. I think that was an interview that I did with Bobby Policino. But even more recently, and this episode actually hasn't come out yet. So if anyone's listening to this right when you release this episode, they may not have heard this yet. I recently interviewed Trey Gamage, who I've become connected to through the Teach Better team now. And Trey's specialty, his expertise is in the area of SEL for adults. 
And he talks about reflection and journaling as some of the most full things that we can do for self-care and for making sure that we are socially emotional ourselves before we can go ahead and take care of others. And so keeping all of that in mind, what I basically did was I took what I learned and researched in my doctoral degree around these four, they call them the four eyes, these four tenets or categories of transformational leadership. And I turned that into a daily reflection. It's two pages. Basically, one page has two of the four eyes and the other page has the other two. And then a general, what went well today? What can you continue to work on to improve and get better starting tomorrow? And my hope is that it does some good in people in terms of really helping them understand their place in the field of education or any whatever field they're in, because I think this is good for all leaders. But maybe it helps with their social emotional wellness. But I think more importantly, really helping to make an impact on their organization, on students and staff, if they're in the field of education or on colleagues and anyone who they're working with. So yeah, the Transformational Leaders Reflection Journal, it's on Amazon, or you can go to my website, leaderoflearning.com slash journal and find it there. So yeah, thanks. Well, most definitely. And those are not easy questions that you have, first of all. I didn't know what I was expecting when I got it. I was like, oh, okay, they got a book. I'm going to go and get it. And I'm not going to tell anybody that I got it. I was going to surprise you read it on the show. But then when I started to use it, it's deep. And I, it, those are not surface level questions that you're asking. And although there are 180 pages in the book, like as I look back on what I wrote, and then still answering those four questions, man, those questions are really... When I did my research for my doctorate, there's actually a survey, a questionnaire. It's called the Multi-Factor Leadership Questionnaire. And that's what really tests someone to know for sure whether they're a transformational leader or not. That thing is pretty intense. And I didn't necessarily take questions off of it. It's loosely based on what the premise is behind that questionnaire. So. I apologize if the questions are difficult, but it is, like I said, it's aligned to the four elements of transformational leadership. And I'm pretty biased, but I think that's the most powerful form of leadership. And it's basically transformational leadership and servant leadership are really intertwined, where it's basically like transformational leaders help empower others and tap into their strengths and talents and abilities to be able to have everyone come together and head in the same direction toward whatever vision and mission the organization has. And that's really the idea behind it. And that's really ultimately what those questions are getting after. Yes. Now, you are an instructional coach and I was a digital learning coach as well at one point in my career. And you wrote a journal for transformational leadership. And one of the things that I know you may have run into, I'm only guessing, is the people who are not looking for change, that you have to go change, especially since the pandemic. What advice can you give a young and up and coming transformational leader who has to face those obstacles? Yeah, that's a great question. And that came up, as a matter of fact, that's the problem, the issue, the very issue I was looking to hope to solve with my research and my doctorate degree, my dissertation was all around combating resistance. And first and foremost, I want 
your listeners to understand that resistance to change is literally a research-based phenomenon. Like it is a real thing that people have something about them that causes them to resist change. And it's also been researched that quite, quite honestly, it's often veteran teachers who are most resistant for lots of reasons. You've probably seen them and worked with them as well. And I think the first and foremost, I think the best thing to do to combat resistance is to acknowledge and embrace someone's discomfort. Get to the bottom of why someone is not comfortable with change and acknowledge it to them. Say, get it. I understand you're a little bit hesitant. And I've engaged in conversations before when it comes to education and teachers in particular about not being willing to take risks. Educators are some of the most passionate and emotional people and they get so invested in what they're doing and I'm not blaming them for it but because of it it could it can be limiting sometimes when someone's asking you to get out of your comfort zone because teachers feel like they might lose control let's say their classroom management's going to break down they pride themselves on being a lifelong learner and now there's something that they don't understand not that everyone thinks that they know everything but it's uncomfortable for people to realize that there are things that they don't know about their own profession that they feel so drawn to. So anyway, your question was to ask about how can we help that? I've already mentioned really addressing and honing in on why someone might be resistant. I think setting really clear expectations and just like we do with students, differentiate for teachers as well. You are probably not going to ask that veteran teacher to start using, I don't know, using chat GPT with their students because it's so new and they're not. And those two things usually don't work out so well. But so once you have acknowledged their discomfort and started to differentiate for them, then you can take baby steps and, uh, and really cater to them in terms of meet them where they're at is what we say in the biz and the education biz. Like, We got to meet them where they're at. And my district, we're fortunate enough to have several coaches. I know, though, that sometimes coaches and other instructional leaders have such limited time to really devote to helping teachers. It's something that you and I spoke about when you came onto my podcast. But as much as we as leaders can do that or delegate that to other people to be in the position where they can really for lack of a better term, handhold a little bit and really help those teachers who are either struggling or just for whatever reason, they're really resistant. I think it's important. And I've been in positions, unfortunately, where administrators aren't as patient or as willing to work with teachers who are resistant. And I get it, but the coach in me just believes in teachers so much that it's, let me work with that. I want to work with them. I want to see if together we can help that teacher get better because I don't know, I just don't like seeing anyone in the profession who's being basically being forced out because they can't keep up. I don't know. Again, I get it. But like I said, the coach in me just really wants to help people succeed. And that's the hardest part about being a coach and then being an administrator because there is a line. It's unfortunate. You can't motivate some people enough so that they can embrace change. But I digress. You mentioned Chad GTP. So being a chat 
transformational leader in the era of artificial intelligence is going to be something that we haven't seen before. What advice would you give to those of us who are pretty technologically savvy, but we will be dealing with the advent of artificial intelligence and what should we be focused on? Yeah. The optimist in me says we have to embrace it and we have to, just like we did with digital citizenship a handful of years ago when technology and devices started becoming more prevalent and especially during the pandemic when a lot of schools and districts went one-to-one with their devices, you can't deny it's out there. And I think I would definitely stand with those in education who believe that districts like the New York City Department of Education the largest school district in the country. And the one that I got my start in as an educator is probably wrong to have blocked and banned it because it still exists and teachers and students can still use it outside of the school system. And so I think it is more valuable and more advantageous to help people understand how to use it than it is to just block it and ban it. I've used it a little bit here and there and I've used it for some content creation. I've used it for generating some ideas for my content. And I guess what I'll say is you still have to be careful of it because it may not be super accurate. It may not be super up to date and relevant in the year 2023, especially ChatGPT only really goes up to 2021 with its knowledge base and fact checking and continuing to be resourceful and mindful of the information that you're getting from things like that. But it's the same thing with all technologies as well. You can't put all of your eggs in one basket. And again, going back to what I said a couple minutes ago about taking risks, like I would be careful as a teacher or any educator who only uses certain tools or platforms all the time. And I know there are some great ones out there who see, they seem like they do everything. Like right now for me, Canva is like dominating the market or at least starting to. They do everything. And they just came out with these crazy new announcements just last week about integrating AI into their designing and all the things that they can do. It's nuts. But yeah, I think almost like in business, you don't want anyone to become a monopoly. Like you can't put all your eggs in one basket when it comes to technology either. Yeah. I think that you're right about banning it is just really not the best way to teach people how to use it. And I think that, especially as the years goes by, transformational leaders are really going to have to find ways to incorporate it with diligence. And I think what I'm hearing you say is that it just requires you to be diligent, which is what a transformational leader does at its core. Yeah, I agree. Again, understanding, if you're a classroom teacher, understanding your students, if you're a leader, understanding the teachers or whoever it is that works under you and with you. And basically, if everyone is moving in the same direction, I believe you'll be fine. And even if you hit some bumps along the road, everybody will be there to pick one another up and support one another through some challenges that you might have with anything, whether it's technology or not. And just help each other out and help each other succeed through it. Wonderful. I also saw that you have some courses and you just mentioned that you had some courses. I know you've done some course creation before. How can, let's talk about some of your courses that you have available current. Yeah, thanks again. So I have, right now I have a free course and a paid course. The free course, and I just redesigned it a little bit, is called Unlock Your Leadership Potential. And in it, we talk a lot about trust. 
because I truly believe that in order to unlock your leadership potential and in order to really especially get started on that path toward true leadership and transformational leadership, relationships and trust are foundational to everything that you do. We talk a lot about trust. I go through, I made this poster and I cover a lot of that in the course, like the do's and don'ts of how to build trust in your team and in your organization. That's a lot of that one. If anyone is interested, it's leaderoflearning.com slash free course. And you can take that course on unlocking your leadership potential. And then I have a paid course, which is a little bit more all-encompassing about how to be a transformational leader. It's a lot of what we've already talked about in this podcast. It's a lot of what you'll find in that reflection journal. As a matter of fact, and I didn't necessarily do, believe it or not, I didn't necessarily do this on purpose completely. But obviously, if you go through that course, getting the reflection journal is amazing to do both of those things at the same time. Just saying. So, you know, that course, I got to double check this, but I think that if you go to leaderoflearning.com slash TL course for transformational leadership course, that's where you can find that one. And it's only 49 bucks. I think it's a pretty good deal. And I think the value really comes from the fact that if you're aspiring to leadership, but even if you're already in leadership, there's a lot you can learn about different leadership styles and why transformational leadership is really the best one. <laughs> yes. And you know what? $49 is not a bad investment in yourself. There are some, we, some of us spend $49 on coffee and weed. So let's just be honest. I'll pay great for coffee and getting that book and taking that course. I think it's a really good idea. You talked about content creation as a, why is that important to you? Yeah, that's a great question. It's actually leading me into even some more opportunities that I want to do to help other people out with my business as well and coaching services. I want to help people who want to become content creators, not just because I do it, but I really do feel like it's important. It's important that educators aren't just stuck in the four walls that they're confined to, whether it's their classroom or their school building, and get out there and see what's going on in the field of education and share what's happening. Listen, I mentioned it early on in our interview about when I became an instructional coach for the first time. Same thing when I or a lot of people become content creators for the first time. You get that imposter syndrome and you think, who's going to listen to me? Who's going to read my stuff? Who's going to want to hear from me when I'm just one little fish in a big pond full of bigger fish? You, everyone has something to share. And what I've learned along the way about being a content creator is that it doesn't matter. You could be saying, you could be sharing basically the same information as someone else and someone's going to want to hear it from you. I think about that all the time as a content creator and anyone listening to this who may have thought about it, maybe thinking about it, I say go for it. And obviously, I'm here to help if anyone wants my help with becoming a content creator, because it really... I'll give you an example. As an instructional coach, you're a principal. One of the amazing things that we get to do is to go into teachers' classrooms and see how lots of different teachers do things. But if you're a classroom teacher, chances are you don't have that opportunity. You're in your own classroom and you probably don't get to venture out into other classrooms that often. Now, I hate that. I really think that classroom teachers need to go see other classroom teachers more often. That's a different conversation probably. But 
It's the same thing with content creation. If you're not consuming or creating content and you're, you just know what you know, it's limited. And I think that consuming content for sure, but even creating content allows others to just open up their world and open up their mind to more possibilities and just more opportunities for them to succeed at their job, whether it's in education or not, but definitely in education. There are a lot of really great podcasts and YouTube channels and blogs and anything that you can find, TikTok channels even, with educators who are sharing some amazing things. I'd like to think I'm one of them. I know for sure, Coach, you're one of them. So it's really cool. It's fun, but it's also, it's just an amazing learning opportunity. Yeah, man, I appreciate that. I, you gave me a couple of compliments. I appreciate it, but a compliment to you, we was at DC together for the second time and you were nice enough, man, to show me your camera. And it's a funny thing amongst podcasters because some people who are content creators are in competition with who they feel are as in the same niche or whatever. But out of all of the podcasters in that room, I was able to sit and talk to you. We talked about cameras. We talked about working for you. We talked about what she was using. And then fast rewind back to 2016, Chicago, it was the same way. So I appreciate the fact that you are a collaborative content creating. I think that's an important, especially a niche to have as an educator. That may come from your educational background, but I appreciate it. And I thank you for the compliment. Yeah, no, thank you for what you do. And I don't know, I just, first of all, when I started podcasting in 2017, I definitely didn't have fancy equipment at all. And it's evolved over the years. As a matter of fact, when I started my podcast, I really wanted to do it as cheaply, as inexpensive as possible and as quick as possible. I try to keep my episodes like 15 minutes or less. But the longer I've done this now, the better I've wanted to look and sound. And I want my content to be great. Don't get me wrong. But I really want the audio quality and the video quality to be really good too. And I've become a bit of a an audio snob. I listen to a lot of podcasts. Most of them are educational podcasts. Some are podcasts about content creation and entrepreneurship as well. But if I come across either a really long podcast episode or YouTube video or one that doesn't really look or sound very good, I'm not going to consume that content. I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm just, I've reached that point where I just can't do it. I don't know. Call me a snob. I guess I called myself a snob, but I just, I don't know. Can't do it. Yeah, it's hard to do, man. And you know, hey, I, we, wouldn't even, we couldn't even record an interview recently when I didn't have good enough internet service. I needed to upgrade my internet. I, yeah, we both were like, I take this stuff real seriously. I wasn't yeah, going to let myself yeah. come on there and look and sound foolish. Uh, I wouldn't judge you, but we both decided, we were like, hey, we can, we'll be up again. So I do appreciate you taking time to talk with me. It's tough. So about the end of our show, tell my listening audience, which is probably a lot of your listening audience, where can we find you at on social media? On social media, I am everywhere, even TikTok, although I don't use it too much, but I'm everywhere at Dr. Underscore Krinus. So that's at Dr underscore K-R-E-I-N-E-S-S. If you're watching the video, it's right down there. If you're listening, you have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm pointing <laughs> to the graphic that has my handle, but it's at Dr. Underscore Krinus. Yes. And is there anything that you want to share that I did not ask you about? Or will you be at SDA as a media person this year? I hope so. Crossing my fingers, I've applied or I've submitted for a registration. I just haven't heard back yet, but 
I am presenting at ISTE. Maybe I'll share that as we wrap up here. I'm presenting twice with one colleague and one former colleague. My former colleague, you may know Jeff Bradbury does the TeacherCast podcast and He's amazing, well-known, respected throughout education. We're presenting an interactive session on, of all things, content creation and how to get students to be content creators. And then a current colleague of mine, Amy Fusarelli, and I are presenting on how to host our session, I believe, on how to lead student tech teams. So I'm really looking forward to that. And yeah, I guess that's about it. I hope to see you there. Yes, sir. I will be at ISTE and I will be recording. I'm definitely going to stop by and get you guys on the show and talk to Jeff. I can meet Jeff face-to-face. I'll admit on the whole line. I can shake his hand. There you go. All right. Thank you for coming on, Doc. Thank you. Flipboard EDU Podcast, Episode 83, Unleashing the Power of Curation with Mia Quagliarello. Mia Quagliarello, Flipboard's Head of Creator Community, is an advocate for creative people and loves nothing more than helping them find audiences and inspiration. On her podcast, The Art of Curation, and in her Substack interviews, she celebrates and discusses the importance of human taste in a tech-driven world. She believes that even smaller creators can make an impact by tapping into Flipboard's community and ecosystem. We also discuss Flipboard's recent leap into the Fediverse with its own Mastodon instance. Mastodon is a decentralized open source social media platform that's gaining popularity as many look for a Twitter alternative. This endeavor offers curators another channel to broaden their reach, ensuring that their effort gets seen by as many eyes as possible. In this episode, we outline ways content creators and curators can create an experience entirely unique to their communities on Flipboard. We also introduce the new creator programs and reveal how listeners who make content can get involved. So like we always do at this time, let's collaborate, communicate and educate with the best educators in the world right here on the Flipboard EDU podcast. Are you looking for a podcast about education? Flipboard EDU podcast is a great podcast that focuses on digital, remote, and future learning. We will explore how to use Flipboard in education and how it can enhance instruction. You'll hear from teachers, students, and experts who are using this amazing tool in their classrooms. It's not just an educational resource, but also a community of people who want to share ideas with one another. Hey, join our community today. Share your stories, ask questions, or even submit content for us to feature on the show. We want everyone involved in this conversation so we all can learn together as we move into the future of education. This is your favorite coach, Jeffrey, and I look forward to you becoming a part of the Flipboard family. Click here now to follow our podcast. Until next time, family. Flipboard fam, thanks for sticking with me on this episode. I want to thank Dr. Dan Crash for speaking with us about his podcast and his book, The Transformational Leaders Reflecting Dark. I also want to give a special shout out to Crystal Vanderbilt and Aileen Laylor for their edits on the Flipboard Educator Club. We're going to give a huge shout out to All Things Marketing with Elena Leone, My EdTech Life with Fonz Mendoza, and Education and Lease with my main man, Kendrick Thomas. I also want to give another shout out 
to my man, Dr. Dan Christ, for coming in and giving us an interview today. Really appreciate it. Don't forget to subscribe to our Flipboard Eating Podcast magazine and the Flipboard Podcast with our previous guest, Mia Angelo, The Art of Curation. Our podcast is available globally and everywhere you listen to podcasts. So please share it with an educator or colleague. Until next time, family, remember every story has a price.